Hey, welcome to Father in Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift, and I'm not the perfect dad, but every day I am trying to be better. And fortunately for the dads like you and me, who are trying to be better dads every day, our kids make it a lot of fun. And overall, they make it pretty easy. Yeah, there's some days they try us. There's some days that are battles. But overall, our kids are incredible and remarkable, and they make this thing called fatherhood a privilege. Just the other day, my daughter Reagan did something that astounded me. She's three, and she's always been freakishly smart. It's almost scary how smart she is. Maybe one day it'll like level out and you know, she'll be normal like the rest of the kids around her. But anyway, it's fall here. And if you live in Texas, you probably don't know that because it's still so hot. But it is fall. And fall demands that you do something with pumpkins. Otherwise, you can't truly be an American. So my wife got a couple of pumpkins. And we were going to let the kids paint them and do a little craft day with the pumpkins. And my wife told me to run upstairs and tell the kids to put some junk clothes on because I guess last time I had them come down in the tux and evening gowns. I don't know. No, my, my wife is really nice. I'm just trying to be an idiot. So she's going to listen to that and think, yeah, you're an idiot. Anyway, I went upstairs and I told the kids to put some junk clothes on. And our daughter, Reagan, three years old, said, hey, dad, the other day you took us to Home Depot and we did this craft and they gave us an apron and you put our names on those aprons and we brought them home because you wanted to keep them. If you could find those aprons, we could just put those aprons back on. And if we accidentally spilled some paint, it would probably get on the apron and not on our clothes. I was just like, who are you? (laughs) Who's this little innovator who lives upstairs in my house? I went downstairs and I told my wife, she was like, that was her idea. I said, Yes, it was. <laughs> so Reagan's always been super smart like that. Talking to nine months, sentences at 12 months, reasoning at 12 months. There's one thing to use a sentence. It's another thing to recall something that I said weeks prior and then to actually understand it, comprehend it, and contextualize it with something that I said to her in the present and then use it to rebut what I said to her. I was like, no, you are not allowed to do this. The power of Christ compels you. She's always been smart, and it's always been a lot of fun. But the point is, we love our kids. If you think about your kids, you know that they're amazing. You know that they're remarkable. And we don't have to hide this fact that every dad thinks that their own kids are the best and that we love our kids the most. I can look at other kids who can do cool things and be like, ugh. But I can look at my kids covered in spaghetti sauce and think, yes, those are mine. I love them so much. Let me go get some spaghetti. You know what I'm talking about. We all love our kids the most. I don't have to love your kids the way I love my kids. I love my kids. I'm their dad, and they're the ones that I'm trying to work with. They're the ones that I'm trying to raise. But I want you to remember and think about how incredible your kids are. And I want that to be the cushion for this episode today. Because I want to remind you, and I want to compel you today, to be a gracious Father, I want you to begin fathering with grace. That's what I want you to take away from this. I want you to begin fathering with grace. Now, I said this last week, and I want to reemphasize it again this week. As a father, your role is not to be a dictator. Otherwise, you're not really being a father. You are not supposed to control everything that your kids do. You are not supposed to mandate everything that your kids do. 
That is not your responsibility as a dad. As a dad, you get the privilege of being in relationship with your children. And that relationship gives you the opportunity to serve, to help, to lead, and to guide your children. Let me elaborate on this guidance thing. I know it's very easy for us to think that we have to guide our kids in the singular right direction. I don't think that's what we're supposed to be doing. I think we're supposed to guide them in a good direction. Now, let me go ahead and hit the Christian perspective, because I am a Christian, and there's probably some Christians thinking, wait, I know the way I've read the book. I hear you. I know what you're talking about. I'm not saying that you don't tell your kids that Jesus is God. Pray to Jesus. Be in relationship with Jesus. Read the Bible. Yes, all of those things, yes. But where I'm making way for a good direction instead of the or your direction is when it comes to reading the Word of God and then interpreting everything. Even the foremost scholars of the Bible still learn. They still come out with new content. Are you a foremost biblical scholar? If the answer is no, and even if it is yes, you don't know everything. None of us have it all figured out. Do I feel like I've got a pretty decent grasp on things? Yes. Do I feel like I have a good framework for reading and for contextualizing and a good approach to studying the Word of God? Yes. But what I don't think I need to do or you need to do is every time your kid begins to talk about something or every time they begin to ask particular questions, you just immediately give the answer and you tell them this is the way that it is. You need to let them be a part of the conversation. You need to let them interact with you when it comes to the Bible because you don't have it all figured out. And believe it or not, you might learn a thing or two from their perspective. But what you can do if you try and always be the know-it-all, which we all know that we do not know it all, so don't deceive yourself and try to deceive others, but what you can do to your kids is you can suffocate them with all of your knowledge, and it can actually discourage them from pursuing a relationship with God and a relationship with His Word. And that's not what you want to do. So allow them to be a part of the conversation. You can get them in a pretty good direction, but you're not going to get them in the absolute right direction. I think as Christians, we're probably supposed to get them to God, and then God can take them the rest of the way. But let's jump outside of the Christian perspective and go to the more secular perspective on this. I think that it's pretty important that we don't try and get kids to do what we want them to do or to become who we want them to become in the sense of, let's say that you're a lawyer and you're the fourth generation in your family who became a lawyer and you have a child and you want them to be generation number five. Well, if they don't want to be a lawyer and you force that upon them, I just don't know that that's the right thing to do. Now, if you would like them to carry on this tradition, rather than forcing it on them, how about 
you try modeling the good qualities and benefits that come from being a lawyer. Because the amazing thing about kids is they watch you. They study you. And if you're worth copying, they're probably going to want to copy you. So model it and respect their decision when they get older. But I think that's the best thing that you can do. For all the athletes out there, (laughs) for all the athletes who should have gone pro, don't try and relive your glory days through your kids by making them follow in your steps. Even if they do make it, you still didn't. And it doesn't matter. Oh, I taught my kid everything he knows. No, you didn't. Because if he only knew what you knew, he'd have ended up in the same place. He picked up something through his own experience or from another peer or from another coach. And he added something to his arsenal that you don't have in yours. And that's why he made it. And you didn't. The point that I'm trying to make, I know that the sports analogy is used all the time. It can be a bit cliche. But the point that I'm trying to make is you are not supposed to control everything that your kids do. You're not supposed to determine their path for them. You're not supposed to mandate what they're going to grow up and become. You have to allow them to grow into their profession. And you have to support and nurture them on the way. Now, there's a fine line with this. Because You are still guiding them, so you still have to establish guidelines. You still have to establish some rules, but the goal of those rules and those guidelines should not be total control. So this is a good part in the episode for you to stop and to ask yourself a question. Think about the rules that you've established in your home and contemplate, do the rules that I enforce with my kids, in my home, do these rules control or do they guide? Do these rules suppress or do they support? Are these rules laced with grace or are you trying to get what you want? Ask yourself that question. And if you don't get the response of grace and support and guidance, then maybe you ought to change some of those rules. But that's a good point. This is a good point to stop. Maybe pause it. I don't care. Pause the episode and think about that. Because I'm not trying to give you the right way to do it. Because there's not a right way to do it. The books that say these are the three things that you must do as a dad, unless they're you know, questions that you need to ask yourself so that you figure out what you have to do, then yeah, maybe. But anyone who says, well, you've got to do this this way and that this way and that that way, it doesn't work. There's, there's no perfect way to be a dad. We have to ask ourselves the hard questions and do the hard work of figuring out what is best for our families. That's what we get to do. So yeah, take a moment if you have to and ask yourself the question, do my rules guide or do they control? Think about it. But the thing with the whole guidance issue, the thing with the whole control issue is you cannot perform as a dictator and you cannot try to be super controlling of your kids because the reality is, is you are in a continual process of letting Go. I did an interview with Pastor D.G. Hargrove that I would highly recommend you go back and listen to. But we talked about 
letting go. And I open up the conversation with this analogy of, as a dad, when you have a newborn child, we've always lived in a two-story home. So the only way that that baby was going to get from the first floor to the second floor and from the second down to the first was if I completely held that child in my arms. I have to wholly secure them and walk them up and down the stairs. That's the only way that they make it. But as they get a little older and they figure out how to crawl and they see those stairs, they think, I could do that. (laughs) So you know how it goes. They try and crawl up the stairs and you're with them and you're holding them, you're supporting their waist and you know, you've got a hand, you're ready just in case. And then they start to figure out how to walk. And then they're holding on the balusters and they're going up the stairs. They're trying to reach for the rail, do things that they know they can't do, but they're kids and they think they can do anything. It's remarkable. Kids are so amazing. And they're trying to walk up and then they can figure it out where they can do it as long as they hold your hand. But there comes a day where they don't have to hold your hand anymore. There comes a day where they run up and down those stairs. And they get brave. They try to slide down the railing because it's cool and it's fun. It's faster and it is it's so much cool. It's just a really good way to go down the stairs. But they think they can do it all. Now, this is the point where grace comes in. Because as we let go... And as they attempt to do more and more, and they become more independent, this is when they really need the grace. Because they're going to start making mistakes. They're going to mess up. Yeah, I've seen some kids fall down the stairs. Yes, I've seen some accidents happen on the stairs. Because I wasn't there. Because I wasn't supposed to be. I wasn't supposed to be holding their hand up the stairs. Because they could do it on their own. Even when they can do something on their own, still, on occasion, they're going to make mistakes. And this is where grace comes into play. Now, I want you to remember this. You still make mistakes, too. You still make mistakes. You're not flawless. You're not perfect. And you know you need grace. And if you know that about yourself then you should absolutely know that with your kids. They need grace, and they need grace from you. When they make mistakes, they need your grace. You need to be a teacher rather than the person who says, I told you so, kid. You need to be that hand that reaches down to lift them up rather than that dad who shakes their head in disgust. You need to be the dad who's willing to lay down next to them when they've fallen rather than that egoist who just turns and walks away. For my Christian fathers, we're supposed to pattern our approach to fathering after God. Think about His grace toward you and for you that He so freely gives to you. It covers all your mistakes and all of your sins. It's sufficient enough to cover up all your shortcomings. God loved you so much that even when you were doing everything wrong, He still gave Himself entirely for you so that He could give you grace. God's love inspired His grace for us. So just think about Jesus when He came to where we are. 
The Apostle Paul writes about this, and he says that he came not to condemn. He didn't come to push us down. He didn't come to rub it in our face and tell us that we were wrong, that we were idiots, that we were messing up, that we needed to stop. He didn't come to discourage us. He didn't come to condemn us. So how in the world can we think that this is the right approach when it comes to being a dad? That's not how we need to interact with our kids. Now, I will say, we still have to correct our children. We still have to discipline, but it needs to be inspired by love and driving toward a goal to teach and to edify our kids. It needs to be laced with grace. Now, I mentioned last week that we can't hold our kids to standards that we ourselves can't even live up to. That just doesn't make any sense. This whole, I told you once, there are times that we have to read the instructions to board games more than once in order for us to figure it out and remember it. You know that about yourself. Your kid's not going to get it right the first time, every time, and they shouldn't. I mean, my daughter Reagan might because she's freakishly smart, but she still doesn't. And the reality is, is learning works by trial and error. It requires repetition. No parent will ever receive the luxury of telling their child one time what to do and then never having to repeat themselves. That will never happen for anyone. It does not work that way. Learning requires Repetition always has, always will. And learning always requires attempts. And those attempts will sometimes result in mistakes and in failures. Now, I understand that, you know, we're talking about grace, and right now I'm talking about it more from the reactive and the responsive side, where your kids make a mistake and then you ought to respond with grace. And you might be thinking, well, you know, my kids are older and they just they just blatantly disrespect me and they're rebellious and they have just no regard for what I say to them. And if that's where you're at, I'm going to ask you, have you really tried grace? Have you ever considered it? Have you really done it? Have you ever extended God's love that's been extended to you to them? And if you haven't, well, now's a good time to start. I think if you'll begin fathering with grace, yeah, it might, it might take some time. It might take a few years to reconcile some things. But I think it's the best thing that you can do. I think it's your best shot at reconciliation. So go ahead and try grace. Now, I want to reiterate this. Fathering with grace does not do away with consequences. It does not do away with lessons. You still have to correct. You still have to discipline your kids. That will be a part of fathering. This is not me advocating gentle parenting, where you allow your kids to run over you. And I don't know, everyone might define gentle parenting their own way. But the extreme of, you know, you ask your kids when they're two months for permission to change their diaper. That's just idiotic. 
or you allow your kids to do whatever they want to do and run you down to the ground because you've got to be gentle. I'm just trying to come in for a hug. I'm getting punched in the face, but I'm, I'm going to get this hug and this hug's, it doesn't always work. It doesn't. It'd be really cool if it did, but it doesn't. So I'm not advocating for just lay down, die, and surrender. I just want you to think about how you father your children, the rules that you have established in your home, and I want you to think, is there grace in what I'm doing? That's what I want you to ask yourself. I want you to begin fathering with grace. So this first little half on this message on grace again, is about the reactive, the responsive side. Your kids make mistakes. You then choose to respond with grace. I want you to be proactive with grace, though. So let's hit a second perspective. And that is, how are you implementing grace into your roles, into your guidelines with your kids, where grace is extended to them before there is a mistake? Let me tell you what I mean. So, I have younger kids, and they still like to lie about little silly things. I say they still like to lie. Sometimes it happens, but I'll tell you what what we've done. We could ask our kid, Frankie, Frankie, for example, Reagan too, but we could ask them, hey, did you brush your teeth? And they will say, yes. Did you eat an entire bag of Cheetos after you brushed your teeth, or is that from the original bag of Cheetos that you had? Uh, yeah, I, I had another bag. All right, well, we got we got to talk about that. Kids like to lie about dumb little things because they just want to have fun and they just want to be able to do what they want to do and the things that they really need to do, they want to put on the back burner or never do because they're not fun. Trying to think of a fun way to brush your kids' teeth. My wife has come up with a few ways, but, you know, they, they do really well and they kind of die back off. There's There's no perfect method, but you have to reinforce that because... Dental hygiene is really important. So, we established this rule with the kids. I told Frankie one day, I said, here's the rule with lying. And it's been extended on a Reagan because she is freakishly smart enough to figure this out even at three, even at four. So, I told Frankie, I said, here's the new rule. I said, I know you lie from time to time. And I know you don't always mean wrong by it. I know you're not always trying to be malicious, but here's the rule that we're going to live by in the house. If mommy and daddy ask you a question and you give us an answer that we are 99% sure is an absolute lie, or we are pretty sure that you might be lying because you have a really, really bad history when it comes to being truthful about this particular question. I said, we're going to ask you one more time And we're going to compel you to be honest with us. We'll ask you, are you being honest? You can tell us the truth. And the rule is, if when they get that grace handed to them, that second chance, if they defend the lie and we find it to be a lie, then there's a consequence. But if they tell us the truth, if they redact that lie, and say, nah, I didn't brush my teeth. All right, go brush your teeth. We will treat it as if they never lied to us in the first place. I know some people are like, oh, lying is so bad. Yeah, but grace is so much more 
powerful. I believe it's the Bible that talks about sin abounds, but grace abounds that much more. It's a good model to live by. So that's one way that we have instilled grace into the rules and guidelines in our home. And our kids know that they're getting this opportunity of grace. Grace goes further and makes a greater impact than condemnation. And here's another thing that you need to know about it. This is a mentality. Fathering with grace is a mentality. One, you probably need to receive grace yourself. And if you haven't done that, it's really easy. I'd recommend that you receive it yourself. And once you receive it yourself, it's really easy to give it. But it becomes a mental thing where you're thinking about it, where every decision that you make is this, is this a way that I'm giving grace to my kid? We all know the golden rule, whether you're a Christian or not, that you should do unto others as you want them to do to you. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I've read the Bible and I've read around the context of this. I don't know that there's any parameters that defines who that should be with other than others, <laughs> everybody in general, even your kids. Usually not how we think of that scripture, but even your kids. I want to treat my kids with respect. I want to treat them with grace. I want to trust them. Because I want them to reciprocate all those things back to me. I want them to respect me. I want them to trust me. And God knows I want them to give grace back to me. Because all of us, we can think about our lives and we can realize we've done some dumb stuff. There's some things that we hope people never find out about. We all have skeletons in the closet. No one is perfect. All have sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all make mistakes. And one day our kids are going to grow up. They're going to figure some things out. And if we were gracious to them... I'm of the opinion that they'll be gracious back to us. Who knows? Maybe maybe your kids get grown and out of the house, and you're not able to salvage your marriage, and your relationship with your children's mother is severed, and your kids might be hurt. They might not understand. But if you were gracious to them, I think they're going to be gracious to you. If you are super hard on your kids and you don't allow them to date because you don't want them to accidentally get pregnant out of marriage and they grow up and they start to learn how to add and subtract and they figure out what your wedding anniversary is and they figure out when they were born and they think, wait, I went full term, but that's not full term in between those two dates. So you're harping on me so hard that I can't date or I can't do this, but you did exactly what you don't want me to do. Don't allow your mistakes to govern the rules that you set for your kids. I understand that's going to be an influence, but don't let it be a greater influence than grace. You should do to your kids the same way that you want them to do back to you. And yes, I want my kids to extend grace to me. 
So you better believe I'm going to extend it to them. And here's the other thing. And this isn't just about me. This isn't just about you. I want you to remember what we're doing. We are fathering our future. We're teaching our kids not only how to receive grace, but how to give it. And one day your kids are going to grow up. They're going to start going to school. They're going to get a job. They're going to go off to college. They're going to move out and be in their own place. They're going to get married. They're going to have kids of their own. And they're already going to know how to give grace. They're going to know how to give grace to their kids. They're going to know how to give grace to their wife or to their husband. They're going to know how to give grace to those that they're in relationship with. They're going to just be going around in school, grade school, college, at the job. And whether they even realize it, they're just going to be dispensing grace because you taught them how to do it. That is what we are doing. This is not simply about a better way to father. This is about teaching our children so that they can impact and be a blessing to others. So try grace and see the difference. This is fathering our future. I'm Anthony Vandegrift. Thank you so much for being with me. I hope you'll join me next time.